welcome to The Top, the podcast that provides you with what you need to succeed in the real estate world. Brought to you by the Collin County Association of Realtors. Get ready to tackle top real estate topics in bite-sized amounts with CCAR President Shauna Aquisto and Jonna Fernandez, CCAR's Chief Operating Officer. Hi, Shauna. Hi, Jonna. Welcome to The Top. I'm happy to be here. So am I, and today we are joined by Vaughn Kikorian. Vaughn is Independent Appraiser at Kikorian Appraisal. How are you doing today, Vaughn? I'm doing fine, thank you, and thank you for having me here today. Absolutely. So, thanks for joining us today, Vaughn, and for your willingness to discuss today's hot topic, private data collectors. I think for this topic to make sense, we really need to start from the beginning with the adoption of desktop appraisals. Can you explain what a desktop appraisal is? Desktop appraisals are literally what the name implies. The appraiser is sitting at their desk, (laughs) develops information related to the subject and comparable sales, and attempts to develop and opine an opinion of value from that perspective. So that appraiser who's sitting at the desktop has not been to the property. There's a third-party data collection source. Okay. So who decides if a buyer will receive a desktop appraisal or a traditional appraisal? There's several factors that go into that, and that is relating to the GSEs, government-sponsored enterprises, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, based on uh, collateral underwriting and desktop review, you know, credit score, property, availability of data. And at that point, they can provide the lender an option of a desktop or a traditional. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so talking about data, who collects that data for the desktop appraisal? That data is collected by a third party. They're known as property data collectors, or I refer to them through this podcast as PDCs. So a PDC is an unlicensed individual that um, receives basic training and is assigned a, a report to go out and view the property. They are not a trained professional with in depth industry experience. Okay, thank you. And, and just to point out, appraisals, appraisers are licensed, realtors are licensed, inspectors are licensed, pretty much everyone involved in the transactions licensed. So just reminder of that. <laughs> Is there a formal training process or background check uh, requirement to be a private data collector? To the first part of that question regarding the formal training, uh, conversations I've had when I've been recruited to be a PDC, property data collector, it's a two to four hour video. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes it might be a little more, but it's, it's, let's just call it on the average four hours. We'll give the benefit of the doubt. It's four hours and then you go out to the field. Hmm. Um, in terms of that, PDCs really don't know what to look at mm-hmm. at the end of the day. The background checks are not as thorough um, as we are as licensed professionals here in the state of Texas. Uh, you know, as, as you know, we have to go through NCIS background checks mm-hmm. and in-depth background checks. Uh, the background checks that the AMCs do are more of a cursory background, and that's based on feedback that I've received, so it's not a very in-depth. And there are several reported incidences around the country where individuals with a less than desirable background have fallen through the cracks mm-hmm. and have been into clients' homes, borrowers' or buyers' sellers' homes, 
and um, performing these yeah. property data collection. So do the borrowers know that they are receiving a desktop appraisal when that happens? No, they no. don't. Okay. They, will, they may know at the back end. And what I mean by the back end is once the appraisal has been completed, because they'll look at the, they are required to be provided a copy mm -hmm. of the appraisal report. And on top of a desktop appraisal, it's going to say desktop appraisal. That may be the only time they know if they do re actually do receive a copy. Um, typically, the, the, the buyer or the borrower believes they're paying for a full appraisal. Wow. So you talked about you know, the buyer believing that they're paying for a full appraisal. Yeah. So is there a cost savings to a desktop appraisal versus a traditional appraisal? Unfortunately, at this time, best of my knowledge, no, there's not. Oh, the, wow. Because when the fees are collected up front, they're collected on the whole transaction, right? So you're, they're True. paying up okay. front for that. And there's no rebate back. So there's no discounted fee mm -hmm. return back. Mm -hmm. So if the borrower is paying six to $800 for an appraisal, the typical cost breakdown, again, based on research, feedback, et cetera, the property data collector will be paid anywhere from 40 to $60 to mm -hmm. go out there and do it. And then the appraiser, somewhere between $150 to $175. So let's say all-in price of 250, give or take. All-in price of 250. Yeah, they're paying 600 mm -hmm. to 700 dollars for that appraisal. Wow. And that difference goes back into the appraisal management AMC, back into the AMC's pocket. Hmm. 40 to 60 dollars. Interesting. <laughs> Just <laughs> I don't know what else who to would say. do that for 40 to 60 dollars. But anyway, in your opinion, is there any benefit to having a desktop appraisal for a home buyer? Freddie Mac has put out something out here, and this is how they're presenting it out there as their benefit. Addresses appraiser capacity concerns. So let's hit on that one first. So two years ago during the pandemic, prices were soaring, inventory mm -hmm. was low, people going into the homes, et cetera, et cetera. There was a delay. There was a two, three, four-week turnaround right. time. But also at the same time, mortgage companies were experiencing delays processing loans, underwriting was having delay approving loans, title companies was having a problem doing title work. So the whole industry was lagging behind. And that was primarily because of the pandemic. A second talking point is, uh, and this is a benefit solely to the lender, eligibility for value representation and warranty relief. What that means, um, basically, as long as there's no fraud in the loan file. So underwriting, there's everything is up and up on the loan file. And they get value representation, which is approval of the value, and warranty relief, which means there's no buyback. So if the loan does go under, the lender's off the hook. Hmm. Okay? The lender's off the hook. So that's a benefit wow. to the lender to promote to do that. To oh. do this. And the third benefit, potential. Keyword starts off potential to reduce borrower costs in turn times. So we know there's at this point nobody's getting a refund back for a different type of appraisal than they thought they paid for. Now they're talking about turn times. Here's the catch 22 with a property data collector. The appraiser who is licensed has to be willing to accept 
all that data at face value, put their license on the line, because there's no other accountability other than the appraiser, the PDC, the AMC, the lender is all mm -hmm. off the hook. Mm -hmm. So is it worth a couple hundred dollars right. to put your liability and your license on the line? So there are appraisers that are willing to accept that. Okay, it's kind of a one-off. If I do ten of them and one of them gets turned mm -hmm. in, maybe I get away with it. Yeah. I do a hundred, two of them. But the issue in, that that the lenders are seeing is that the licensed appraiser is not accepting the PDC information. They can't find somebody who's willing to put their license on the line well, yeah. and risk it. Therefore, they have to go out and reorder a full appraisal report, which now adds additional time, mm. additional frustration to both sides of the mm -hmm. transaction, to the seller, to the buyer, and the cost of that second appraisal, not sure who's paying for it, right. but somebody's going to have to pay for uh -huh. it. So, yeah. you know, and again, out of Freddie Mac's information, they don't really have a lot of strong talking points why it's a benefit. It kind of reminds me of, in real estate, you know, the unlicensed assistant dilemma you know mm -hmm. and and i mean it's kind of the yeah. same thing right uh, absolutely absolutely held accountable so because this is all kind of new what information do you wish all agents knew about desktop appraisals and is there anything they can do to ensure the transaction runs smoothly the, ag the agent themselves has liability at the end of yeah. the day right by allowing an individual who's not licensed into the property. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is, again, being a member of the board, and we have our ethics and our rules and our policies and procedures, that when you allow access to an individual's property, that individual has to be a member of a local board. PDCs, for the most part, are not members. All of us sitting in this room could be PDCs because we are licensed, Mm -hmm. right? We are members of a board, but that's few and far between. Even a home inspector, right? They're a member of a board and, and so mm -hmm. forth, and they could be a PDC. So um, the best way an agent can protect themselves, if they get that phone call to schedule the appraisal, first and foremost, don't be deceived when they say, hi, this is John or Jane Doe. I am the appraiser for 123 Main Street confirm that that person is a licensed appraiser in the state of, mm -hmm. in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. As the agent, you have every right to ask these questions. And they'll say, yes, what's your license number? We all have MLS, all members across the Metroplex, we can look up the person's name, their license number, and what board they're affiliated with. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've done your diligence. Right. If you don't do that, you again, you're opening yourself to liability. So, the, so the, the talking points really are, are you a licensed Texas appraiser? And they may hem and haw, so well, I'm here to inspect the property. Well, are you a home inspector? No, I'm not. Then who are you and what's your capacity? And they say, well, I'm a property data collector. Are you a member of a board? No, I'm not. Sorry, I cannot give you access to the property. And that's okay, right? That's yeah, a, that's, that's okay. A, that, yeah, that's okay yeah. to, to deny. And I think to, to touch on that, 
when, you know, as a listing agent, sometimes we use a, a showing service and that showing service, you would allow them to get those appointments scheduled. And I think that is something to also let agents know to handle that at the, you know, when, when the showings are scheduled to not allow appraisals, make them, make the appraisers right. contact the listing agent to schedule right. and then you that, can be assured that. Absolutely. My understanding is with Broker Bay, if you're not an authorized person, if a sole mm -hmm. proprietor or you're part of a home inspection team or you're part of a realtor team, if you're not a identified individual on Broker Bay as allowing... A, a board. As a board. board. Mm -hmm. They will not give access. Right. Showing time, I don't think they have that policy no. in place. Um, the, the key here is if the house is on a combo or it's on a punch key, mm -hmm. or it's vacant, and you're called to schedule the appraisal, you better verify, you better verify, right, right? Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. If if the individual has an I-key, right, then we know they're a member of the board because you gotta be on a board <laughs> to get an I-key, right? Mm -hmm. So if they don't have an I-key to get in, that's again, another red flag. Do you have an I-key? No, I don't. Well, how come? Some will say, well, I don't wanna pay the cost. Right, fair yeah. enough, okay. Then you kind of got to drill down. So you've got to ask questions up front to make sure who you're letting into the property. Yeah. So what should agents be telling their clients regarding the different type of appraisals? I mean, this is something now we're having to to get into that um, that side of the business and and do a little bit okay. more explaining about that with our clients. So there, there's basically four types of four types of lending scenarios out here for the most part. You have conventional, you have FHA, you have VA, and you have USDA. That's the majority of the transactions mm -hmm. out there. You might have some private equity money and so forth, but those are the majority of the transactions. First of all, the VA does not allow property data collectors. Oh, F interesting. FHA, FHA transactions require the appraiser to physically inspect the property. Same thing with USDA. So that eliminates VA, FHA, mm -hmm. and USDA for property data collectors. I have seen where the AMCs have sent have attempted to send out property data collectors on FHA assignments. And we have to sign as appraisers. Mm -hmm. We have to sign a certification that we had physically inspected the property. Um, so for the most part, if individuals are going conventional, that's where this is going to come into play. I'm going to pause you for a second. AMC is appraisal management company. company. Yep, thank you. AMC would be the appraisal yeah. management company. Again, there's six of them that are currently authorized by Fannie Mae to handle this. Yeah. Okay. So on the conventional side, the, the buyer, the borrower, um, really doesn't have too much of a say on the front end. What I have seen in recent purchase contracts under special provisions, addendum section, et cetera, property to be appraised by a licensed Texas appraiser. So it's being actually written into the sales contract. So that's one way mm -hmm. agents are making sure that their client is, is getting what they pay for. So when, as a listing agent, you know, and we do our verification of the lender, and that could be a question we ask them, like, hey, do you use, I mean, if it's a conventional loan. 
Right. They you can and they you would know some, that. Yeah, they would they would know that. They would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think on from the lender's side, until they actually process that file and it goes through collateral underwriting mm-hmm. through the CU process, at that point they would know if they could use a property data collector. The, okay. Oh, and yeah. or if they go to an appraisal. So basic minimum requirements they can use for purchase. Non-cash out, cash out, refis. Okay. Uh, maximum LTV on a primary or second home is 80%. So anything greater than 80%, mm-hmm. they can't use a property data collector. Okay. Good well, stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Vaughn, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? We've heard this time and time again. Your home is one of your biggest investments you'll ever make. And... Having a licensed appraiser who is an independent third party who doesn't have a financial interest in this transaction. And what I mean by that, the buyer's not paying the appraiser directly. The agents aren't paying the appraiser. It's our client, and our client can be defined as the appraisal management company, could be the FHA, could be VA. Whoever our client is, is paying us. So that's our independence, and that's our firewall. And, uh, you know, you want to make sure for value given, it's value received. And, uh, you know, protect yourself mm-hmm. and, um, you know, have the high expectation and um, that all the individuals involved in the transaction are licensed individuals that carry liability insurance, which property data collectors do not. Uh, we carry E&O insurance, which property donors do you know, collect, and that also we're vetted by the state every two years at our license renewal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a professional transactions, and you want professionals to deal with these transactions. I mean, this is your safe place as a family. We raise yeah. your kids, you lay on the couch, you watch TV, right. you should know who's... Coming who's coming? Who's coming into your home? <laughs> yeah, and, be careful. You know, as, you're as, in your house, right? As the seller, you know, you're relying on your agent mm-hmm. to make sure that my home is safe, sound, right. and secure. And you know, that means a lot to a lot of people. They put a lot of trust in agents and, and brokers. Very good. Well, thank you again for being with us today. This has okay. been a tremendous amount of information, and I know that our listeners have gotten a lot out of it. I've, I've learned so much. I didn't even know anything about this. So. And he is a wealth of knowledge. Like, I tend to pick his brain every time, you know, we see him. So Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for the kind words. Great. Oh, yes. Thank you. For those listening, thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe to Welcome to the Top wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to leave us a review. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, we want to hear it. Email us at ask at welcometothetop.com, then listen to hear us cover it. We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'm Shauna Quisto. Let's keep building for our future. Special thanks to our hosts, Jonna Fernandez and Shauna Quisto. Producer, Brie Westbury. Audio engineer, Mike Maples. Outreach and guest relations manager, Kendall Crawford. And podcast administrator, Sean Offsell. Tune in next time, and don't forget to enjoy your journey to the top. The statements made by speakers in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views or position of the Collin County Association of Realtors, its leadership, or its members. This podcast is not intended to give legal, financial, medical, or other advice, but simply to provide information as a springboard to further discussion and investigation.